1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: And now, it's time for the Best. Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show with score morning show co host Mully from the Mully and Haw show, Bears long snapping iron man Patrick Manley, and score football expert and former NFL player Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670. The score, Chicago's home for Bears fans, always live on the free Odyssey app. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers online sportsbook app today.
3: Oh, yes. We are ready to go here. Game five. Our marathon is only getting started, for God's sake. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So, in the old days, we'd always talk about the season in quarters, but now there are 17 games. So, it'd be nice to say a quarter of the season is over, but the reality is maybe at the end of the first quarter, we need to convene again. But the fact of the matter is the Bears have got themselves a two and two record and they have themselves a host of issues that we need to break down. We'll talk about them going in to Minnesota, another road game, another division game. And obviously if they're going to make a mark on this season, they got to get their their passing offense together, guys. They got to get their run defense together.
4: Good morning, guys. Uh they've they've got a lot of issues. <laughs> that's to say the least. I mean, that's just I think now what we're finding out is this Bears team is who we thought they were at the beginning of the year. You know, I think this two and two record uh, kind of sugarcoats a little bit of the struggles that uh, this team really is to me. I think right now you're seeing that uh, they just have the lack of talent. Um, we're seeing Justin Fields needs to develop more. We're seeing we need more protection. And like you said, the run run defense is horrendous. And today is going to be a huge challenge for Dalvin Cook because you know he hasn't had a hundred yard season this year. Uh, I think that's going to change this afternoon, unfortunately. But uh, they've got a huge talent challenge in front of them.
5: <laughs> and when you look at the the portions of this Bears roster, where you know, obviously it's it's a new regime, and so you're kind of paying attention to what were the off season transactions for Ryan Poles, and you know what what were some of the draft capital that's been expended this year. But you know, on the whole, you also need to pay attention to where where is the the capital, where are the resources on the roster in general? And that's where the offensive line, I think, comes into question for this situation also because, you know, it's one thing for us to kind of look at it and evaluate it and say that the O-line isn't performing well because they haven't, certainly not in pass protection and run blocking they have, but that is where some draft capital has been extended on this squad in recent years when you think about what's there at the guard position, what's there at the tackle position. That's where you're hoping to see growth there cuz the d-line, you know, not a whole lot of draft capital on the d-line right now and I think, you know, a lot of us looked at this defensive line and said, man, that might be might be a tough season for them up front just for where the resources may lack up front on the d-line. We know the offseason transaction that they attempted there for a three technique that didn't go well with Okojobi, but, you know, that offensive line, it, it it feels like there is youth. There's a couple of pieces that you say, "All right, the Bears are excited, we've seen moments. That should be a position of growth. And they're going to get tested today by a Minnesota Vikings unit that was really able to get after Aaron Rodgers in week one.
3: Well, Cody Whitehair with an $8 million base salary is the big expenditure on that offensive line, and he's not available for the game, right? Yeah. So he went on, uh, on the injured list earlier uh, in the year, uh, earlier in the week, excuse me. So that means he'll be out a minimum of four games. And we don't know the severity of that knee injury, and we don't know – um, you know, it's a minimum of four, and then they could bring him back, and then you have up to three weeks to figure out uh, if the guy comes back. They could leave him on there longer. But once he is activated, then it's a three-week uh, a timetable. So you know you're not going to see him till you're midway through the year. And, you know, frankly, they don't have a lot invested in this offense. They don't certainly have any money invested in the wide receiver position. And now, as you mentioned, the draft picks, but they're not high draft picks, right? The highest strike ratio position in the entire league is left tackle, where you will find upwards of 17 or 18 first-round picks, usually top 10 guys. That's where you find your left tackles. There's a good strike ratio at that position. Uh, The Bears – have a left tackle who was taken in the fifth round, and he was taken in the fifth round after they traded down in the fifth round. And that's not taking a shot at Braxton Jones. That's just the reality of it. So while they have used, uh, obviously, some, some draft capital on that line, they haven't used the, the higher picks on it, and you, and you don't see yet the sort of um, – the kind of uh, uh, choreography – that you look for with a line, The sort of you know one unit acting, you know the amoeba effect, all the little uh, all the little things going together and it's one entity. This is this is not the case with the Bears offensive line, and they're they're having to help people a lot. And and guys, I don't think I've ever seen a line that is so significantly better in pass blocking than in <laughs> than in run blocking. I don't understand why if you can get in front of a guy. <laughs> I mean, look at look at what happened last week when Lucas Patrick moved in to take uh, the spot on the other side. I know he's moving from right guard to left guard. Oh, my God. It was like he was on skates. He was just run right back into the quarterback and it was a sack. And you, you just sat there and you clutched your head in your hands and tried to figure out how is this so bad?
4: Yeah, they're just they're not good. And you talked about draft capital. If you look at the Minnesota Vikings, their draft capital on their offensive line, their their left tackle is a first rounder, their left guard is a second rounder, their center is a first rounder, their right guard is a rookie uh, second rounder, and their right tackle is a second rounder. So that's complete opposite of what the Bears have done with their draft capital. Yes, they've drafted players, but not guys at the caliber that Minnesota is. But Minnesota, they're not a great offensive line. There's some of those guys that aren't achieve or playing as well as as they've been drafted, but. um the one thing, though, about Cody Whitehair being out, it's terrible to see because he's the best lineman the Bears have. But what this does, this gives Tevin Jenkins a full game. You know, Now he's going to play right guard the entire game. Lucas Patrick's not going to roll in with him. So, Anthony, you talked about development of these, these young, this young talent. Now he's going to get the reps. Now we're going to find out can he play guard? Can he play at this level? Can he become a better pass blocker? While well, you're talking about pass blocking, that's just a hard thing to do. As an O-lineman, you want to run the ball. You want to put your hand on the ground. You want to come off and smack somebody in the mouth, whether it's a lineman or a, or a linebacker. Pass blocking is just a different animal, and I think a lot of these guys have to learn more of the technique at this level. Um, they have to get used to some of this talent they're going against, and this is what we're going to have to see for the Bears from now on. I just don't expect these wins to come. like They, were, like they have two wins now. They're not going to win a lot, but we have talked about at the beginning of the year. We've got to watch this development, and this is an opportunity for these guys to develop this week
5: and that development i think the roster as a whole in theory because there's so much youth on this ball club there's so much inexperience top to bottom on this roster in theory it should be in shape to be a better team in november than what they are right now a better Agreed. team in Agreed. december than what they are right now right because it's a squad that that you know youth tends to develop at a more rapid pace than once you're established, once you've maybe plateaued, whether you've plateaued as a great player, plateaued as a good player, plateaued as just you know a, a mediocre player who just happens to rattle around on rosters or whatever. But you're not near your peak yet as a young guy. And so that's a part of what you would imagine the plan is here. The plan's probably been set in place by Ryan Poles. You would hope that plan's been communicated. To the coaching staff, just with the the term that we've heard Matt Eberflees using so much here early on is development and the roster being developmental. That essentially is just, you know, saying we're rebuilding without using the word rebuild. But if you say your roster is developmental, then you're saying, you know what, we're not that good yet. But we're hoping to turn these young guys, these inexperienced guys into good football players later in the season. So there should be a growth rate that we're able to see that this Bears roster because of its youth and inexperience will be able to to ascend in a way by the end of the year. And if it's not, then one thing, we all expect some roster turnover next year. But then beyond that, also, you're evaluating whether or not the coaching staff that's in place is really from one week to the next doing what they need to do to develop, to the, the term that I use so much that the last regime wasn't using in, in talking about development for their young football players, that should be what we see throughout this year. And today against a squad who is legitimately in the mix for the division title picture, then it'll be a measuring stick today to see how much better are some of the individuals. Like I do think I know we'll obviously talk in detail about Justin Fields in this pregame show. I think we saw growth from the quarterback last week and you want to see what may feel like incremental growth, but you want to see that on a weekly basis and not just at the quarterback position, but the entire roster top to bottom.
3: I'm not arguing about the growth. I mean, it might not be as pronounced as people want, and certainly we saw him – this is an absurd thing to say – we saw him more decisive, whether that meant he was pulling the ball down and running. He made his decisions a little bit faster, I thought, last week, and he, he completed a few passes, a few passes. <laughs> the fact of the matter is they scored 12 points, all on field goals, all from a guy – that they had to sign during the week because their kicker was missing and and that's that's a great story and got their entire offense week.
5: is no longer on the team <laughs> from last week, but has gone that He's got is the out.
3: Point. they can't score touchdowns why can't they score touchdowns and and frankly we've seen them play some teams where you didn 't really feel like they needed to score a lot of touchdowns against Houston. This is a different animal. this Minnesota team is probably. The most with apologies to Green Bay and, and San Francisco in the monsoon. This is probably the most balanced offense they'll face. They, they This is a team that can throw the ball, that has a really, really good superstar wide receiver, that has three really good wide receivers, that has a great running back. I said Ray, He's not just good. He's a little hair over good. I, I don't know how you beat these guys unless you can convert touchdowns. And I don't know how this team, we saw them struggle to score points basically since 2018. We, we can break down the numbers. We can talk about all that stuff. But they're averaging 16 points a game. And that's not enough to win football games consistently in the National Football League.
5: No, and not – Well, that's the- one of the – Go ahead, Am. Well And, and Patrick, you, you've you seen it on – throughout your, your entire super lengthy career where rosters around the National Football League, even bad teams – Will have elite level weapons who are just adept at putting the ball in the end zone. The Bears don't have that as, as much as you know. I literally the very first game we saw none of Darnell Mooney as a as a rookie training camp player. There was no preseason his rookie year, and then he's just out there as a rookie receiver who hadn't touched an NFL field before, and he went into Detroit and had like, I don't know, like three catches for 17 yards. And I came on the air, I I think it it had to be like, I don't know, with Dan and whomever, or maybe it was Lawrence or something, but I came on the air that next day and said, man, this Donnell Mooney kid's got something. And it wasn't just like he had a big statistical game, but I liked the way his game looked. There was a comfort to it, a naturalness to it. That being said, we're a few years into this thing with Darnell Moody. I think he's going to have a long and relatively productive career. He hasn't shown himself to be a dude who just puts the ball in the end zone mm-hmm. at a moment's notice. As productive as David Montgomery can be in stretches, he hasn't shown himself to be a guy who can just put the ball in the end zone. And certainly Cole Komet hasn't shown himself as that either. So when it comes down to it, the Bears don't have touchdown scores. And there's a reason that we see defenses now week in and week out When the Bears are running the boot action, the defenses are more afraid of Justin Fields than they are anybody he might be handing football to. So that's why when he boots out and he's got his back to the defense for a moment, and as soon as he starts whipping his eyes around, there's every single week, there's some edge defender just waiting on Justin Fields. Because he is the only player on this Bears offense that strikes fear into the opposing defense. And until someone else proves otherwise, they're going to play him for that. There's a reason why Saquon, 11 Bears defenders chase Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones was just scot-free running in the end zone. Right. They're not afraid of Daniel Jones. They're afraid of that dynamo who's 235 pounds who's as fast as anybody on the field. Who strikes fear into the defense, that's where the eyes go. That's where the pursuit goes. Right now, the Bears quarterback – as, as mediocre as his performance and his productivity is, he's the only player on this offense that anyone has to game plan for.
4: Yeah, you, and you're right. So I, I went on with uh, Lawrence and, and Dan on Tuesday, and we were talking about that. You know, Ed Donatel is a defensive coordinator, former defensive backs coach here for the Bears, that on a Tuesday's game plan day, right? So when you put on the Bears tape and you're getting ready to prepare for this team, who strikes fear in you? The All only right. thing you're really worried about is Justin Fields, right? On third down scrambling, I think, and then the run game. The run game you're probably – game planning for us and all right guys this is what they like to do this is their scheme but there's really nobody else out there when you're game planning like all right we have to worry about this guy so the next thing you do is you go after their mullets right the mullets you talk about and there's a lot of mullets on this offense on the interior of the offensive line they'll be able to get after them. there's nobody that scares you on the outside yes darnell moody speed or things like that but he hasn't gone out there and shown you this year that he's going to take that next step to be an elite level player so you're right in everything you said there's just nobody on this team that strikes fear in you and, Mully, to go back to the red zone, with this team and that lack of, of playmaker, touchdown score or whatever, they have to execute perfectly. They can't make any mistakes. They can't have off They can't have drop passes. So they're right. they're behind the eight ball anyway with the talent. Then
0: margin for yes, error, Yes, exactly.
4: Right? You have to play that perfect game. And that's just where they are right now. And, you know, hopefully we see this development continue with these young guys, but there's no playmakers out there that strikes fear, like you said, and the defensive coordinators.
3: I, I mean th- – We saw a lot of movement at the wide receiver position in the offseason. I believe Tyreek Hill makes upwards of $26 million. Um, Looks worth it too, doesn't he? Oh, and he's definitely worth it. The (laughs) Bears wide receiver core, this this blew my mind. Okay, they they gave Byron Pringle like 4.125 on a one-year deal. Let's see what this guy can do. And and they picked up and killed Harry, and they, they claimed him, so they took his contract, and I think he makes 1.7, something like that. He was a former first-round pick. Those would be the two highest-paid players at the wide receiver position, neither of whom is available today. So that means they're going to field a team where the highest-paid player is their rookie, Valus Jones, at, mm. uh, at, at under a million dollars. Mooney was a fifth round pick. He's he's under a million dollars, right? Doesn't matter how long he's been at it. You've got a receiving core, a group of five guys that are worth in total four point one two five million dollars, like a quarter. And they are worth a quarter of Tyreek Hell. But I'm I'm I, I guess my question is this lack of production, you know, the old adage of you throw to score and you run to win, if you can't if you can't throw to score, how you how do you win games if you don't invest in that position? I'm not I'm not being mean. I just think that when we look at this team and we'll in the next segment we'll get into fields and we've got to talk about the the sacks and it's it's on a historic pace. But when you don't have the money invested, the NFL is is if anything it is a league where the expectation of the player is created by the investment of the franchise, whether that's the money you give them or the pick you put on them. And they're not, they, don't, they haven't invested in getting better at the wide receiver position.
5: Well, well, I feel like it, it puts everyone in a, in a tricky position. And it, it will test the Bears' patience. And this is why Ryan Poles, as a leader, it's really important for him to make sure that he's communicated his vision to the folks inside House Hall. Now, obviously, publicly, we want to hear about his vision and everything, too. But it's important for him to make sure that the Bears coaches are fully aware of his vision for how this season's roster is constructed and, and why it's constructed the way it is and what it can mean headed towards next year because they're patients. Like, you know, Matt Eberflew seems like a super patient, a very planned and, and well-thought-out guy but he's going to address the media week in and week out about why they're playing so poorly. And until playmakers emerge or until they're just out-scheming people and where the roster as it sits, it doesn't matter that they're maybe overmatched from a talent perspective, then all these same questions are going to come and get repetitive and get frustrating and they're all humans. And so that, that will be a difficult thing to navigate this season. And what you don't want, because it's one thing to, to have to sit there at the podium every week and address this stuff, but what you don't want is for... A, a frustration that may build internally at Hallis Hall to then end up affecting how the, the product on the field and how the potential development arc of the players can maybe be negated by that. Because you're like, man, the media keeps talking to us about this passing attack and we're not doing it. I don't necessarily think we're a great drop-back passing team yet, but let me at least show them something. You know, let's go into a game just because just – and it wouldn't even necessarily be a conscious thought. But if it's just somewhere in your subconscious where you say, you know what, we got to go into this. It might not be our best game plan, but let's get some more drop back going, even though it doesn't suit our roster as it sits right now. Because when, And we heard we heard Luke Getze refer to Justin Fields. Basically, he said he's basically still a rookie. So they, it sounds like, are viewing this as Justin Fields' rookie season, even though it's legitimately not. But for the rest of us, and in our perception, we we see a quarterback in the second year. We're expecting a level of growth, development, maturity that shows up in his productivity in the stats, and it's not up to this point. So I think that'll test the Bears' patience throughout this season. Just in not not really in in how they're evaluating things internally, but how they're I guess responding to what will likely still be a frustrating season, especially for the Bears' offense. But within that, they need to see that development, those incremental details and how this roster grows and matures. Because you want to know who are the pieces, if we are going to spend money this coming offseason and have a a much better roster for next year, who are the guys that can be a part of that? And I think that balance for them needs to be there and how they're evaluating this. And Ryan Poles needs to make sure his vision is very clear to the staff and probably to some key players like Justin Fields for how this thing shapes up.
4: Those are great points, and what you said—the word that, that that hits home to me—is patience, and that's hard because yeah. you have to be patient. Yeah. It's 17 games of this, and you know it as a player that your team is not. You 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 know you get the game plan. You're like, all right, we're playing the Vikings today. You get the game plan on Wednesday. You're like, man, we've got to go against Dalvin Cook. They've got Kirk Cousins. They, you know, you know you're outmanned, and that's a hard season. So this is a lot on. Matt Eberflus's table to make sure he does take care of this team in the team meetings. The message is still clear that there is patience, and you understand that you you try to get the guys to believe they can win each week, and you do. You always do. I've been in that situation where we've had lesser talented teams, but you try to work yourself into the belief that you can win the game, and that's part of what Matt Eberflus has to do. But you just have to be patient as a staff, like you said, to understand there's going to be ups and downs, but let's see a little bit of growth each week. And, Anthony, I love what you said earlier, that I think they will be a better team in November and December because they are so young, and these guys are just going to get better or they're going to get gone. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're going to get cut. So I think that's great, and I'm looking forward to – you know, maybe I'm talking myself into this to make sure I have patience because I want them to win each week. (laughs) That's what I'm doing right here. So I I think you're you're coaching me up well to be patient for this season. So let's just hope we see a little bit of growth and maybe we get lucky and pull out a win here, but it doesn't look good for the Bears today.
3: Yeah, it, it is the NFL, and these things happen, though. So I think we have a little bit of uh, of hope. But I'll I'll ruin that hope if you want. When we come back, we've got to talk about the number of sacks that Justin Fields is taking. We'll we'll talk about why. Uh, is there a culpability on his part? Clearly, the lines got their issues. But but he's being sacked at a historical rate, and that's not sustainable. That, that that doesn't that that bodes poorly for the rest of his season. We'll discuss it next. It is the pregame show. We are of course presented by Bet Rivers. They do a fantastic job. Get that Bet Rivers app on your phone. I've got it, and uh, we'll be right back with the pregame show here on the Score.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook Pregame Show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Molly, Patrick, Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today.
3: And, hey, Bear fans, want to let you know the new Zing Zing Bloody Mary can cocktails are here with premium vodka already in the can. They're always ready, perfect for your game day tailgates. Please Zing Zing responsibly. And and you might want to crack one open as we break down these stats. Guys, the, the Bears' pass protection has been awful. And it's not so much – that the quarterback is getting killed on every play, although it feels like the quarterback's getting killed on every play. The fact is that they're not throwing the ball that much. Considering the number of attempts, it's pretty, it's pretty extraordinary that that Justin Fields is now being sacked once every 4.18 attempts. one point four point one eight attempts and And you know this is not a new issue with him. He was sacked a lot in college. He was sacked roughly once every eleven attempts. When a guy can move like him, when a guy can take off, there are going to be times when he's behind the line of scrimmage. There are going to be uh different moments where he's buying time where he's he's reviewing things and not being as decisive as you need to be but But this is a really bad statistic and it's it's one in which um you know, we see him when he slides. He's already kind of upright, and he's taken some really bad illegal shots, and that's 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 a really bad thing. You don't do not want to see your quarterback. I don't care if you get a personal foul in 15 yards. When your quarterback takes a hit like that, you, you only have so many hits in your career, as any boxer will tell you. Uh, this is this is a a real alarming story. Maybe part of it is, is, is alleviated by David Montgomery's availability. He's significantly better against the Blitz than Khalil Herbert. But this is an offensive line problem, and this is a quarterback problem, and this is a problem.
4: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a major problem, and it's it is every, it's everybody. I mean, you, got, you, you mentioned as well as the running backs are included in this. Khalil Herbert was terrible last week, absolutely terrible. I texted Matt Forte, and I sent a video, and I said, what are the coaching points here? And he wrote back, where do I start? <laughs> so that was uh, not a good answer. And he gave me all the coaching points of how you know what he needed to do. But it was, it was a lengthy text. And he just said he's not very good, basically, at the end. He has a lot of work to do. And that, that's hurting as well. So unfortunately, you have Justin Fields, who doesn't look comfortable in the pocket. And then an O-line that is breaking down everywhere. And then where there is a moment where he can maybe slide in the pocket. There was one last week. I think it was Braxton Jones gave up some pressure from the left. He slid right. But he kept moving to the right and walked into a, a throwaway. It was almost a sack where he had to throw it away. But the pocket was plenty big on the right side. So there's just a whole combination of things going on with this team and the sacks and everything. It's, it's, it's everybody's fault. And that's that's why you have 16 sacks on the season so far. But I got a question for you guys. If, if you're developing a young quarterback, and we talked about it earlier, Molly, you talked about the lack of playmakers at wide receiver. Would you rather give him stud-wide receivers – and have this O line or these wide receivers, and you know, a really talented offensive line. What's better for his development? And I think we might find that out next year when they do have draft capital and say, okay, what we need to do? We need to solidify the line, or are they going to go get you know some studs on the on the outside? So I don't know, but the, the, this this is an it's it's a it's a huge problem right now with protecting the quarterback, and it's just unfortunate. It's really hurting his growth, in my opinion.
3: I, yeah. I can answer that question quickly. I think that I would prefer them to have one or the other, either a really good <laughs> offensive line or a really good receiving court. But this is not acceptable. No, it's not.
5: <laughs> the, uh, the roster top to bottom, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to need a lot of work by next season. There's going to be money to spend, but there's still a cap. So, you know, you can't spend exponential money everywhere, unfortunately, in the NFL. Uh, but between those, those two options, Patrick, it, it feels to me like, you know, because the Bears are finally going to get back to having a first-round pick in the draft – and it feels easier to hit on receiver in the draft than it is on O line. So maybe if you you've got money to spend on, on free agent offensive line and you think about enhancing receiver depth via the draft and maybe, you know, some version of that combination is where let, let's get some veteran O linemen in here to get better starters, get better depth, all that stuff, and then maybe you go through the draft and enhancing receiver more so. But you know, obviously we see how the rest of the season plays out here. But it, it is it's it's a recipe for pass protection disaster because you have a quarterback to your point, Mully, who has always been methodical in in his in his mechanics. You know, just not in the in the processing of things. Like you hear him describe things to the media, he's rarely confused about what he saw, what the coverage was, why he ended up handling things in the way that he did. He's he's thinking the game at a high level. You want to see. The, the processing of that play out in a more rapid manner, mentally and physically. But you see a, a lot of quarterbacks, I, you know, never really thought we knew Mitch knew what he was looking at in the time <laughs> he was here, but Justin Fields seems to seems to have a comprehension for what's there. And, and Luke Getz even talked during the week about some of the checks that Justin Fields made to get them out of bad looks against that, uh, against that blitz package they faced last week in New York get them out of some bad looks, into some good looks. You know, not 100% of the time. It's a high-level conceptual thing that a young quarterback's going to struggle with at times. But mentally, he's there from an understanding perspective. You want to see it a little bit less methodical. So the pre-snap phase is improving. The post-snap phase, though, has to get more rapid. So you have a a quarterback who's methodical in ways, a pass protection that breaks down at the offensive line and certainly at the running back position as well. It's one of those things where we see some of the – some of the fantastic runs that Khalil Herbert has with the ball in his hands. And throughout this entire season, I've been cautioning people to remember that being an all-purpose running back is key in general, but certainly within this system that asks a lot of their running backs in pass protection, as route runners, as pass receivers, and yes, as ball carriers as well. So folks, real quick, after week one in, in the, the San Francisco monsoon, was like, hey, maybe Khalil Herbert should be the starter. All okay, right, that sounds good. But there's a lot of other areas of his game that have some ground to cover by comparison to David Montgomery. So, when Montgomery's healthy and it's looking like that's going to be today, that should be an exciting thing if it is, cuz he's just there's still there's there's a chasm between him as a total football player and where Khalil Herbert is as a total football player. But all those different elements make it a, a really difficult recipe for pass protection.
3: All right, we've got Mark Grody joining us next. We'll find out uh, what the indoor conditions are. No. We'll find out who indeed is in and out. The sun's going to be in their eyes. The wind is okay. Uh, All right. We'll uh, we'll be back with Grody here on the pregame show.
2: We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Molly, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today.
3: Oh yes, indeed, the pregame show, and what a delight! We welcome in the man himself. It is Mr. Mark Grody, and he joins us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Grody time! Hey, Mark. Molly, Molly the,
7: the delight is is all mine as usual in this uh, beautiful stadium in Minneapolis for the Bears and Vikings, and this is the first day I can honestly say I don't have to be terrified about getting uh, precipitated on in any way, shape, or form, so I'm very happy about that. The the big story, though, before this game and in pregame warm-ups, You know, Jalen Johnson, as I'm sure you guys have already seen, is out for this game with that quad injury. Um, I watched his entire warm-up out here about an hour ago, surrounded, you know, by a couple of trainers. But I I saw very little limitation in his warm-up. He was going through it all sprinting lateral movement he was going out for passes and I had started to think hmm maybe maybe I mean he was listed as doubtful so he's out but I would say that just from the, the eye test and having a small conversation with Jalen Johnson that that's it, encouraging for him to to hopefully for his sake, to return next week, but we'll stand by and see. And I don't know much about quad injuries, but he's not able to go today. The good news is that David Montgomery, who I have not seen yet, in pregame warmups, is active and presumably will be playing for the for the Bears today. So it's going to be, I mean, we know how much they are dependent on, for better or for worse, their running game. It's going to be nice to see David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert on the field together, considering what both of those guys have done. When last we saw David Montgomery, he was rushing for 100 yards. You know, back-to-back weeks where Herbert and Montgomery did that, now they're together. So I do like the potency of that.
4: Hey, Grody, we were talking about uh, the lack of playmakers on this team, and one guy they got back last week was Valus Jones, and unfortunately he had that hiccup at the end of the game of muffing the punt. But now he's had a couple more weeks back with this offense. Do you anticipate possibly see him getting more snaps this week? What's the word on that?
7: I do, actually. I I spoke with him at the end of the week and asked him straight up, are we going to see you on offense? And he said yes, he said yes a couple of times. He said, yep, absolutely. That's not the coach, so that doesn't mean that it is positive considering how the game is going. And I, and I was talking to some people with the Bears and you know he, he has not had overall, Patrick, a ton of time working with the offense. So if he does get in on offense, and I do think he will, look for some you know very simple pattern, fly patterns go patterns things like that for him and which obviously would be utilizing his skills but i don't think that they're going to throw the the entire playbook at him and nothing too intricate at this point just ease into it and, and that that's on the record I mean that they have said that they've been pretty transparent that they're going to ease him into this so I wouldn't look for him to get a ton of plays unless we see some some real success but you know a, as we've talked about in a lot of these reports it seems you know that the pattern continues there there is still here we are in week 5 a you know something that we've been talking about since OTAs and minicamps. There's still an opening for a receiver on this team. Somebody to to really show themselves and be a a safety for for Justin Fields. And that, that guy has not really shown himself. We've seen good game. You know, Darnell Mooney showed himself last week. Equinemius St Brown is head. Some nice moments as well. We know that Kenil Harry or Nikhil Harry is not ready to play yet for the Bears, so that's nice to think about, but it's not there. So, you know, Bayless Jones Jr. could show up prominently today.
5: Grota, we saw a really nice debut for Michael Badgley last week, and the majority of the Bears' offense, the scoring this season, has come from the place kickers, and uh, it quickly led to his exodus. And now Cairo Santos <laughs> is back. Uh, what, what's your sense for? For how Cairo Santos is doing, you know the, the reports about some, you know, some personal issue that had him missing last week's game, and now his return. Indoor conditions, sun may be in his eyes, who knows? But what do what you expect from the Bears' place kicker?
7: Well, this is this is great because uh, Patrick Scales right now is getting ready to snap the ball right now. Let's see if he make the the ball is on the 30-yard line. Cairo Santos is lining up for this kick right now and here comes a snap, the boot, it is up, it is, it, it, Big Ant, it is right through the center of the upright. So Cairo right. Santos is clearly ready to go. So he he makes it. Unlike last week when I was doing play by play and the guy missed it uh badly <laughs> so missed it wide left but he was four for four. <laughs> so the Bears were up three But he already? was four for
3: four. <laughs> the Bears are up three three. I like it.
7: Yeah they are. They are. Now he's going for a uh a thirty five yarder. But anyway, I did talk to Cairo Santos briefly, um a little while ago. I just I, I, you know, he, he'd been dealing with a personal issue, and he said he still wants to keep that personal. But he just said, "Look, I'm just happy to be back." And I was gonna do the old, uh, the cliche. The, you know, you almost got Wally Pipp last week, but you know, I was like, "Nah, nah, it's not the time or place for it." So, so Santos is back, and I, I will, I am positive that with some of the the conditions that Cairo Santos has had to kick in this year, that he too is very happy to be. Inside of uh, this dome here today,
3: Mark. Uh, just curious about the offensive line. I, I think we know who they're gonna, how they're going to line up, and and we know that uh, that Lucas Patrick will move into Cody Whitehair's spot, and that leaves Tevin Jenkins with an entire game, and Sam Mustafer No changes there. Are they contemplating any other bigger moves? You know, Riley Reef is there. Is Alex Leatherwood ever coming back? Do do you see this offensive line? Growing, or is it going to be uh, changed at some point here if this continues? Molly,
7: I I think that they are determined to keep this uh, alignment. Obviously, you know, Cody Whitehair being back would be the real alignment. But when you talk specifically about guys like Braxton Jones and Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins, like, I, I know that they think that they could be better. And it's possible that if Riley Reef was to play, they may be a sturdier offensive line. If Michael Schofield was to come in and play some guard, they might be better off. At, and, and, and I say that for even Lucas Patrick, who has not been particularly great at, at guard too. I mean, the, the interior of the Bears' offensive line has been problematic for the Bears at times this year, for sure, but I think, and you know, this is one of the larger points that I've been making about the Bears recently. Look, they're going to let God, it's not just Justin Fields who they're developing out here and allowing to make mistakes and play poor games. They're doing the same thing for for Braxton Jones and for Larry Boreham and Tevin J- and, and all of these guys, Kyler Gordon, for that matter, Dominique Robinson. All of these rookies that they see as potential core pieces, they're gonna let it play through. Now, it's not out of the question that they would change their lineup at some point in time. I don't. I, I wouldn't. I, Unless Justin Fields is like getting killed and knocked down and it's one of those nine sack games I don't look for them to make any kind of in-game changes and if it gets really bad then down the line I could see them doing that but I I I believe that they know yeah if we put in a, a veteran it might things might be a little bit more cohesive but we know that this season is not all about winning and it is so much about developing and continuing to rebuild and sticking with their plan as painful as it could be for all of us watching knowing that there are places that could be better if you put more experienced players in so it's a little bit of a conflict of interest that the the bears are dealing with but i think they're going to stick with these guys until they have have deemed it like untenable anymore
4: patience we've talked about that a couple segments ago it's just patience for this year mark I want to go over the defense with this Minnesota Vikings team. You know, Justin Jefferson's an elite receiver. Dalvin Cook to me is an elite back. This defense here, wh- who have they talked about more? Who are they more concerned about today?
7: It's really hard to tell because when we talked to Alan Williams this week, Patrick, he was, you know, they, it, it, those are the two guys, Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. And considering that the Bears have allowed an average of. 183 yards per game this year. I would be a little bit more worried about Dalvin Cook um, this year, and, and Alexander Madison, for that matter, the backup who had a touchdown last week. You know, he hasn't gotten off really really on the ground yet, but I think that that's a, th- those two guys to watch. Up. And, and, you know, with Jalen Johnson out again today and Justin Jefferson finally busting out last week, like neither of these guys, Dalvin Cook nor Justin Jefferson has really had, um, you know, that great game except for Justin Jefferson last week, and I feel like Jefferson is just starting to to tune up. So, I, I mean, this whole thing comes down to if they're not gonna if they're not gonna hand off like crazy, which I, which if I were the Vikings, I would hand off it just in, until it it stops working, and and once you can get to Kirk Cousins, I mean, and I don't know if you guys have gone through this yet, but. I saw a great stat on Kirk Cousins that Cousins is 30th in the league in completion percentage when facing pressure. We know that about him, that he is flappable, that you can get to him. And that while I was looking at it, so where, where's Justin Fields in that regard? He's 31st. So I would imagine that both of these defensive coordinators, and Donatel, oh, incidentally, that God, there yeah. it is, Molly. Oh, there it a, is. Oh, just, oh,
4: man. Skull, Mark, uh,
7: skull. Oh, my skull. God. There it is! Oh my God! I hate that thing. Sorry, I did That just that, no, no, that's awful. okay. No, that hurt. That hurt my soul too. I think oh, we all need a moment. Let's man. all take a deep breath. Let's get ourselves
3: back together here. Oh, uh, but Danae- the <laughs> I bet you do, man. How how is that building, Mark? They're they're talking about that being a, the kind of building that they'd like to get up in Arlington Heights. I mean, it's. That's-
7: it's gorgeous, man. Yeah. It's really like the, the 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 glass roof and the and the glass walls where you could see outside of the dome. You don't feel like you're indoors even though you are. Um, it's very temperate too for that matter. I'm wearing a light jacket right now. I'm wondering why. I mean, the air conditioning is definitely working here in the dome right now. But no, it's a it's an absolutely beautiful stadium and I think the players the the turf here Um, is just marvelous it is glorious unlike in new york they had a similar type of turf but this stuff is just better so no it's it's a great great uh i think it's one of the you know it's turning into i think one of the the favorite stops for the bears in terms of just a a really great place to play in every way shape
5: or form all righty buddy yeah i was going to compliment growth on the vocab real quick we've heard temperate we've heard getting precipitated on, I mean, a lot of magnificent yeah. and, and tremendous and other I, adjectives here. Grody is in mid-season form already. You, you have
7: to, you guys have to understand. My mom was an English teacher and, and a math teacher, and I was really good at the English portion, not necessarily the math portion. <laughs> I grew up in a household in which I was corrected all the time for grammar and for vocabulary. So I try to carry that on in the name of Gene Grody. <laughs> you
5: brought it. You brought it today. God bless
7: you. Thank pleasure. you, guys. That's great. I all appreciate right, buddy. it. <laughs> See will talk
3: guys. To you. Bye. See
5: you, pal. He is flappable, though, while, oh, while Kirk no. <laughs> Cousins is also flappable. Mark Grody was flappable by the horn that we heard there in the background.
3: Yeah, the, you know, the Kirk Cousins thing is you really want to catch him in primetime or the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at noon on Sunday, he's actually – his numbers are pretty extraordinary. And, right. and he's been fairly consistent in terms of availability. I mean, that, that that's another – Issue they they've got their uh, their offense all together, guys. When we come back, I wanna I wanna offer you that kind of uh, that that choice between the uh, you know the hanging or the hemlock, the idea that you've got to choose between stopping the run and stopping the wide receiver the, the passing game because it's not just one guy, but certainly with uh, with Jalen Johnson out, it might just be one guy because. Uh, Jefferson has been stopped by one player and that was with the Eagles. Uh, Darius Slay had a real good game on that particular afternoon, but you, you need a top shelf corner to shut him down and, uh, he'll do his damage. But they, as we talked about earlier, they got a lot of balance. How do you stop balance in an offense? How do you stop a team that can do multiple, that can hurt you in multiple ways? We'll discuss that uh, when we come back. We are here on the uh, pregame show. It is presented, of course, by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Download that Bet Rivers app today. We'll be right back here on the score.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?